You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 67 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Justin Schwartz and I'm alongside Liam Baum. And the last few games for the Montreal Canadiens haven't gone exactly how they would have liked. Unfortunately, they dropped three of their last four, losing to the Arizona Coyotes, the St. Louis Blues, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and stealing a game in overtime against the Red Wings. Now, from an overall perspective, obviously, it's tough to gauge where this team is at, considering that we're just starting November. Um, The Montreal Canadiens currently sit, um, if I'm not mistaken, third to last in the Atlantic Division, um, which is... You know, compared to our expectations, not too, too bad. They're sitting around 500, which is not terrible. But at the end of the day, the problem that I think we're having is understanding where this team is headed. And it's really tough to gauge considering we're getting a lot of mixed signals from a lot of different players on this team. But nonetheless, we're in this position. Montreal Canadiens, like I said, are near the bottom of the Atlantic Division, probably are going to stay that way for the foreseeable future. But Liam, I'm going to throw it on to you as per usual. After this week of hockey, after watching those four games, after going one three and zero, what are your what are your interpretations? What are your thoughts about this team? And is this something that's going to keep up, you know, for the next few months of Montreal Canadiens hockey? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was a tough week, but we battled against Arizona. Unfortunately, hit a lot of posts that game. Had a goal disallowed. End up losing three to two. Against St. Louis, it was just. An overall terrible game, you know. At least Slavkovsky scored. We'll get into that in a bit. But, you know, that's one positive takeaway from that game. And then against Tampa, Tampa's lethal first period strikes against us. And, you know, we absolutely get dominated. So those three games didn't really go as planned. Um, Getting that win against Detroit was pretty big. They're playing pretty well this season, sitting at second in the Atlantic. Um, So happy to see that. Cole Caulfield scores the goal in OT. But... Like you said, the Canadians are sitting third to last, but only separated by two points um, to, to be in second place with a game in hand. So Detroit is sitting at 16 points, Tampa sitting at 16, Montreal sitting with 14. So with the same record as the Leafs. So, you know, one game changes everything. It was a tough week, but I think next week, you know, we can bounce back. I'm going to ask you a question and I want to I want you to give me your honest answer here. Do you want to see the Montreal Canadiens bounce back? Now, I know that might sound like a dumb question, but considering the landscape and considering that we've talked about this plenty of times on this podcast, that they're in a, we'll call it a rebuild. A lot of people like to, you know, toy with the word retool, but I'm going to consider it a rebuild. Do we really want to see this Montreal Canadiens team, you know, continue to float around 500 and stay above 500 as they are right now um, for the rest of the season? We've talked about this so many times. Obviously, you want to see the Canadians win. Big fans. We've said this plenty of times. We want to see the Canadians win, but at the same time, we're building for the future. It's a rebuild. And in order to do that, you got to lose games. Like the San Jose Sharks, who are clearly excelling at that uh, statistic. But, you know, it's just... You want to see the Canadians fall in the standings if you, you want this rebuild to succeed, but at the same time, you want to see close games. And I think that's the that's the way I'm going to sway here. I want to see 
uh, entertaining games, but at the same time, I don't want to see the Canadians just float around 500 because then we're just a mid team gets that, that gets a mid draft pick and doesn't get the top talent. I'm going to put it this way for you, Liam, and I am in total agreement, but I'm going to put it this way. If the Montreal Canadians are going to stay around 500, at least, at least have it come at the, at the cost of some sort of development. So what I mean by that is have your younger players that are clearly playing bigger roles than past years in this lineup and allow them to play in certain, you know, situations, um, tough situations, easier situations, whether that's the power play, tougher situations I'm referring to defensive zone draws. I'm talking about penalty kill, right? But the problem is right now for me is that I don't see that approach being taken by Martin St. Louis right now. And we're going to go back on a few of these games but more specifically, the game last night against Detroit. I'm frustrated because, and look, I know that this is a topic of discussion, and I know that this is why big stars don't like to play in this market, because they're constantly scrutinized by the media. But the truth is, is that Uri Slavkowski over the last three games has played well enough. Now, what I mean by well enough is good enough to merit a spot in the top six, good enough to get a substantial amount of minutes, and good enough to be relied upon by his head coach. But what concerns me is that over the last four games, he's played 15 minutes, he's averaged 15 minutes and 30 seconds of ice time as your number, as your second line right winger. I don't have the stats in terms of how much power play time he's getting, but I can I can confidently tell you that it's close to no, no time at all. Maybe 30 seconds a game, maybe. He plays no important minutes, so nothing in the last two minutes if there's a tie game. He was yanked off the ice for Jake Evans last game. I'm starting to get increasingly concerned that, yes, Slavkovsky's playing 15 minutes, 15 and a half minutes a night. However, are they important enough minutes for him where he gets to learn and adapt to certain tough, quote-unquote, NHL situations? No, that, that's so, a fair point. That's a fair point. I think if you're looking at in terms of Arizona, where Logan Cooley's averaging like 17 minutes a night and getting that top power play minutes, you know, this is how you develop your players. And obviously, you want to see Slavkovsky develop. And, you know, your point was you you want to see, like, if the team's going to be mid and have a, a mid record in the, in the standings, at least you want to see those guys develop. And I think that's the problem we're facing right now when Josh Anderson's playing power play one. After proving he's just not capable of doing it. Last night, we saw so many times miss an open net that could have sealed the game right there. A couple plays where he just drives the net and turns it over in the corner and they're going the other way. So, yes, of course, we want to see Slavkovsky and all these guys, all the younger guys play important minutes if we're going to be a team that finishes in the middle of the standings. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a stat, Liam, just to go along with what we're saying. In the last four games, Slavkovsky has averaged 15 and a half minutes per game. In those four games combined, he's totaled 13 minutes and 44 seconds on the power play. So you're looking about, uh, again, if you, do, if you do the math, you're looking at about, right, like three minutes per game, give or take a little bit above that because you're almost at 14 minutes there. Mm -hmm. But what's concerning to me, it's not that amount of ice time. It's that amount of ice time in comparison to others. Specifically, Josh Anderson, like you mentioned, who's played a total of 19 minutes and 14 seconds on the power play in the last four games, which is a total of five, uh, sorry, six minutes or 
a little less than a six minute increase above Slavkovsky. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out where this all comes into play. Don't get me wrong. A guy like Matheson, Monahan, Caulfield, Suzuki, those guys are staples. Those guys are glued to that top unit. There shouldn't be a single change made there. But the fact that Anderson is averaging or totaling that much time on ice on the power play compared to even a guy like Newhook, who's had 14 minutes of time on ice on the power play in the last four games, you got to ask that even though this, this power play has been actually better than people expected this season so far, what is it to say that it comes, you know, that, that it's because of Josh Anderson? Because I can guarantee you that he, that it's not, it's not for that reason. No. And to prove your point even further, I'll throw a stat at you. Josh Anderson has a total of zero points in the last four games. So what is deeming him the opportunity to be on this power play one? What is allowing him to be on this power play when Slavkovsky, you know, he only has one goal in the last four games, but, you know, clearly has a greater skill set and an ability to be on a power play one surrounded by the more skilled guys. And it's not like Josh, Josh Anderson is playing the net front where you need a bigger guy, a tougher guy to, you know, battle in front. He's playing the the bumper. And I think Slavkovsky is more than capable of doing that or even playing on the side. So it just makes no sense that Anderson's still on power play one. Anyway, and 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 again, like, you know, last night we saw more specifically um, Caulfield and Suzuki get split up for the first time this season. That begged, you know, that, that drew a lot of questions from, you know, the Twitter community and whatnot. So... Look, I mean, MSL is clearly making changes. He's adapting to specific situations. And look, it's not like the Montreal Canadiens are, you know, oh, like have uh, don't have a win. They have sick. They have more wins than they have losses. So clearly, they're doing something right. But at what cost, right? You need to realize that some of these guys, whether it's the Slavkovskis or whether it's even the Alex Newhook, who probably, in my opinion, deserves a little bit more time on ice, whether it's on the power play or whether it's even at even strength, like when is that going to come? And when is St. Louis going to realize that that's necessary for the development of these players? 100%. I couldn't agree more. And anyways, guys, I'm going to take a minute here um, to shout out our sponsors at DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use codes THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. Okay, guys. So, look, I mean, at the end of the day, we just we just touched on the fact that Slavkovsky and Newhook were obviously not getting the necessary time on ice, the necessary power play time. And obviously, that's a cause for concern. Let's flip the script here for a second, Liam, and let's look at two guys that are clearly establishing themselves as two big pieces of this team going forward. At, or for now and going forward, Caden Gooley and Justin Barron. 
We touched on touched on them last week, but now I think we're starting to see that they're becoming really, you know, Matheson obviously is has been struggling a, a bit. You can you can tell maybe it's a lingering injury or something of that sort. But let's not forget that these two young guys are really playing key roles. Um, unfortunately, no power play time for Gooley, but Justin Barron has played a total of 10 minutes on the power play. He plays on the second unit. And by the way, this is all in the last four games. He's played on the second unit, looked pretty solid. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on these two guys, Liam? They both look outstanding, honestly. You know, there's always those little mistakes that you got to clean up and they're young players, so you're going to expect that. But both playing very pivotal roles, 20 minutes a night, they're averaging, if not more, each game. So, you know, I'm very happy with the development so far. I'm glad Justin Barron's getting this opportunity. And I think he's really proving why he's going to be staying on this team in the future. Um, yeah, like you said, Matheson, you know, there's been some mistakes, a couple bad games, but he turns it around last night, putting up three points, and he's been overall very solid for the Canadians. Um, so, so far, I can't really complain about this decor. No, you can't. And look, I mean, it's... Um, look, I think Matheson's play over the last four games or, you know, just up to date this season. Like, I think it was, I think he really, I won't say saved himself, but I really think a lot of people started to change their minds a little bit about his play after last night's game. I think he came up, you know, in a big spot. Um, he scored, you know, a big goal. He got two, he had two power play assists. So obviously people were very excited about that. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, look, don't get me wrong. I think you, you're looking at these top three guys on, on, on our decor um, right now, Baron Gooley, and Matheson, you complement that with a guy like Jordan Harris. Um, then you then you allow that last pairing. Obviously, I'm not talking about um, the actual pairings, but um, Arbor Jacka and Kovacevic, these guys are also playing some pretty strong hockey. Wanted to ask you, Liam. Now, I saw that there were a lot of mixed opinions about this, and I want to hear what you have to say. Arbor Jacka was given a very, very, very hard time for the penalty he took late in the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning when the Habs just came uh, just scored two goals were down two goals with about 10 minutes left to give or take in the game had a lot of momentum in front of the net Arbojack takes a roughing penalty he takes a 4 minute Janot takes a 2 minute however Tabo goes on the power play and capitalizes Arbojack is a young for uh, young forward a young defenseman in this league he's going to learn from his mistakes but a lot of people were, you know, claiming that he should be taken out of the lineup. He should be benched, so on and so forth. What are your thoughts on the situation? Do you think he deserved to be benched? Do you think he deserved to be scratched? I have my opinions. I'll wait until I hear yours. Let me know what you think. Like I said before, with Baron and Gooley, there's there's mistakes that you make as a young player and you got to learn from. So I don't think benching Jack Eye is the solution to this. But again, it, it was a, a stupid penalty to take. And obviously it costs the Canadians a couple minutes in the third period. But again, you can't really bench. I don't think it's the right thing to do to bench a player like that. Let him learn from his mistake and, you know, make up for it, which I think he will be doing in the next coming week. He, he's definitely playing solid hockey. He goes out there and plays his role while also providing some offensive talent. I, I just don't think benching is the right solution. No, and and neither do I. And you know what? Like a lot, of, I I heard it from a bunch of people saying like, you know, he should be scratched next game. What is he bringing to this team right now? But the truth is, is that Matheson, from an eye level perspective, has actually been you know improving significantly on his play. Right? He yeah. he's become a, a much more confident skater. He's become way more confident with the puck. He's not 
necessarily a defensive liability. He's got a great shot. He has a knack for finding the net. So all of these things coupled together, and if you continue to give him the time, and and look, it, it definitely begs the question. Martin St. Louis, and, and I don't know how it went down or if anything went down at all, right, Liam? But you have to think that Martin St. Louis approached him and said, look, Arbor, the truth is, is that you can't be doing that in that point in the game. This is a warning. This is something that you're going to learn from. We're not going to hold, you're going to hold yourself accountable, but it's not something that we're necessarily going to punish you for. Now, if this, if this behavior continues to, uh, you know, to reoccur just because you continue to get frustrated because you, you, you didn't get the outcome in the fight that you particularly wanted, then we're going to have to have another conversation. But for right now, it should just be, you know, a, 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 a very healthy conversation between Martin St. Louis and his player. And we move on because I think that right now, and you know, people may disagree, but I think that he's actually a really integral part to this future going forward. Maybe not necessarily from a point scoring perspective, but I think from what he brings to the table intangibles, right? Whether it's the, um, the, you know, the, the gritty aspect, the character aspect, these are things that are really going to pay dividends down the road. In my opinion, hundred percent, just clearing it up. You said Matheson instead of Jack guy at one point, but we were talking okay, about Jack guy the whole time. Um, yeah, Jack Eye. So yeah, Jack yeah, Eye's not fighting Tanner Janot. So no, we're it, good. Yeah. So um, another topic I wanted to talk about was you know this can correlate with the Canadians, but obviously the Edmonton Oilers are dead last in the league and really struggling with goaltending. Um, and the Canadians have you know a three goalie tandem right now, and Jake Allen's looking pretty good. I want to ask you, Justin, is there a chance Jake Allen gets moved to the Oilers and the Canadians bring back? you know, some draft capital or a prospect? What do you see happening? Look, I definitely think that there's an avenue for it. But the problem is, is that I think, I don't think it's necessarily, um, I don't think it's necessarily a hesitance, a hesitance on Montreal's end. I think it's more of a hesitance on Edmonton's end. And now you ask the question, well, why is, why, why is that? They're clearly in a des desperate need of a goalie. They've given up 50 goals, Liam, in 12 games. 50 goals in 12 games. They have a minus 19 differential. They're clear. They're, they're currently sitting at two, seven and one. They've lost four in a row. They clearly need to switch something up. But I think the problem is Ken Holland. I really do. I think that he doesn't want to give up his draft capital. He doesn't want to, he, he said in the past years at the deadline, he doesn't want to trade for a goalie. He thinks that they're in a good position, but at the end of the day, they just sent Cap Jack Campbell down. Now Skinner's the starter. They lose to the San Jose Sharks. Calvin Picard is called up, but obviously he's just a, you know, a, a veteran at this point yeah. in his career. Do I think, do I see an avenue where it happens? Yes. Do I see, do I see Ken Holland pulling the trigger and giving up an Xavier Borgo or, or even a Dylan Holloway? No, I don't. And that's the problem is that I think Montreal clearly is, is, is approaching. And, and I think that they're approaching Edmonton and saying, look, like guys, we have three goalies, take one of our goalies. They'll provide more than any of your goalies have provided this year so far. But I think that Ken Holland is like, well, what's the asking price? And the truth is, is that the Montreal Canadiens might be asking for a little bit more than Ken Holland is, is willing to give up. So I think until Ken Holland realizes that this is a serious problem, and until he realizes that he might be on the hot seat and that his job is in jeopardy, he'll, he'll continue to stay put, which is unfortunate for that team who has two of the best players in the league right now and continues to be very, very you know, um, reluctant to make a significant move. For sure, 100%. Uh, I'll agree with you there. I, I think Ken Holland's not willing to give up a lot right now. And with Jake Allen's play, I'd hope the Canadians ask for something back that's you know that has some value. But this begs the question now, is Caden Primo going to get more games after that win last night? Does he deserve more 
play after that terrific performance. Obviously, Montembeau had his struggles, but he does look overall pretty good. And Allen's obviously a very con- like pretty consistent goalie, I'd say. Makes a lot of saves anytime, anytime he's in the game. But it's like we mentioned last podcast, it's not beneficial for Caden Primo to, to be sitting in you know, sitting in the rafters, sitting in the box with all the injured guys when, you know, we need him to develop. And it goes, again, into being like a team that finishes mid in the standings, but we want our players to develop. So the question is, should Caden Primo get more minutes, more games after that win last night? I'm going to say yes, but I don't think it's going to be necessarily something where, okay, Caden Primo won that game. Okay, now, uh, you know, Saturday night, you're in. That's not mm-hmm. how I think it's going to be. It's a three-man rotation, and I think, I think this is my perspective. The Habs brass is taking this day by day because of the fact that clearly, as the season goes on, teams get more and more desperate, especially at the goalie position. So you would like to think that one of these teams specifically in Edmonton in this case, is going to come running to Montreal, you know, and want to snag a guy like Primo, Montembeau, or even Jake Allen, but more specifically Jake Allen at a reduced cost. But the longer this goes on, the more Jake Allen's price increases because he just becomes that much more valuable to a struggling team. So look, we'll see where it goes. I do think Primo will get a few more games here and there, but I think that because he struggled so much in the past to, you know, to, Right, like that, he he's never really put up numbers with this Montreal Canadiens team. I think that the Montreal Canadiens are going to be very cautious with the way they use him to the point where he'll get a game here and there. He might get more than he was expected to get, but they're still going to be really, really cautious by putting him in situations to succeed because there's no, they, they, they I think that they still believe in him to a certain extent. Right. Uh, there's still definitely some development there to be made with Skinner and Edmonton. So we'll see what happens. A couple other guys that, uh, I mean, I don't want to go into Edmonton too much, but a couple other guys that they can acquire is one of those Boston goalies there, either Swayman or Allmark, and then Varlamov, who's playing very well in New York right now. So we'll see how that pans out. I think the Canadians couldn't get could get involved, so it's worth mentioning. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that uh, situation plays out in Edmonton, sitting with San Jose at the bottom of the standings. It's uh, it's crazy. This this NHL season did not begin as anticipated, at least on my end, Liam. I don't know about yours, but this is honestly probably one of the more one of the weirder starts so far to an NHL season. There's a lot of guys underperforming. There's a lot of guys, There's a lot of teams that are you know a little bit higher than they should be. And you know you might say, well, Justin, it's been 15 or 12 games, but but still, you know, like the fact that the fact that Edmonton is two seven and one. And they literally came out and said it's cup or bust. Yeah. Like McDavid also has think. no points. Like it's actually sad. He is two. He has one even strength goal. One even. How many this, points is he up to on the season? I believe he has nine. Two goals, seven assists, which is nothing like normal McDavid. He's got to be injured. Well, people say. Well, he's on. He, he, people people think he has a concussion because he can't make a single play for his life right now. And that that tells you a lot when the guy who put up over 150 points last season is is struggling to even stay at point per game. And obviously, point per game is still very is impressive nonetheless. But you're talking about the best player in the world. So it definitely begs a question. But, you know, stars around the league, whether it's Kirill Kaprizov, whether it's Mika Zabinijad, whether it's, you know, Kaprizov. Uh, yeah, I said, did, did I uh, not say that? Yeah, yeah, Sorry. Kaprizov, Zabinijad. Yeah, Kabrizov, Zibanejad, even Timo Meyer, right? Like these guys are having really, really Jason Robertson slow, slow, slow starts. And who would have thought that the Vancouver Canucks would be the best team coming out of Canada right now, let alone third overall in in, in the NHL? Like, 
pretty well, pretty impressive stuff. That just makes it even more exciting to watch. Um, you know, one player who is very much excelling is our boy Sean Monahan. Seven game point streak right now. Four points in the last four games since we since we last talked. This guy's a demon on the power play. Sits in front, banks it home every time, makes terrific plays. When everyone thought his career was coming to an end, but you know, he's 29. Once again, what's gonna happen at the deadline? We don't know. But can we get a first round pick for Sean Monaghan after taking his contract on along with a first round pick? I mean, 12 points in 13 games, Liam, averaging about 18 minutes of time on ice right now. Look, this, this, to me, this just screams trade deadline acquisition. And I think we talked about it last episode where, I don't know if it was me that asked you the question or you that asked me, where we said, you know, would you give up Sean Manahan for a first round pick if, if he be, if uh, a team was offering? And I think, I think I answered Absolutely, I would do it. And my opinion still stands. I think that now his value not only is a first-round pick, but maybe even a little bit more. Now, we're not going to push our luck, but there's a lot of teams that, just like are needy at goalie, are needy at center depth. So, like, <laughs> I mean, it would, it's, it's pretty funny, but go look at Calgary right now. They're struggling so heavily. They have nothing going on. It'd be funny if Monaghan returned to Calgary, but mm. nonetheless, right? They're 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 struggling, and there's going to be and, and like I said, as the season goes on, there's going to be more and more teams that become desperate for depth, desperate for an impact player. And if Monaghan's doing this on a on a on a 500 um, Montreal Canadiens team, what's it to say that he can't be doing this on you know? one of those powerhouses in the top in the top five in the league, right? So for it, sure. Uh, I, I guess we'll I guess we'll have to wait and see what what Ken Hughes has cooking um come come the trade deadline. Yeah. Um a couple more stats you know we just want to throw out, get across here. The Canadians fortunately are looking solid on the power play, going five for twenty in the last four games, which is uh twenty five percent. Top pretty much at the top of the league or you know in the top ten, I believe. Um, yeah, so that's, that's definitely exciting to see. We're very, very strong in overtime and, and in comeback games. We just have that ability, which is again, very nice to see our, the perseverance on this team is great and we're scoring goals. The, the big guys are scoring goals at the right time. So, you know, any takeaways from that, Justin? I think, I think you can look at it from a, a positive perspective and a negative perspective, honestly. I think the negative perspective, so we always start with the bad news first. I think the negative perspective is, is the fact that they might not be good enough to close games, right? Like they're a, they're a pretty good hockey team. They're they're all right. They they'll float around 500. But I think that's what differentiates the top of the league compared to the bottom of the league. We're never really putting these team teams away early and often, right? We're letting mm -hmm. them hang around, and then we get to the overtime. And don't get me wrong, we have the skilled position players, whether it's Cole Caulfield or Nick Suzuki or Mike Matson on the power play uh, on the power play or Mike Matson or Sean Monahan. Like these guys no, clearly know how to score and put up points, but in favorable positions like on the power play. So I think, I think, look, clearly this team is not complete. They have some players that are going to be able to steal wins, which they have been already, whether it's in the overtime period. But clearly I think that it's definitely not, I, I wouldn't call it a cause for concern because winning a game is winning a game. But mm -hmm. I think it, it's what differentiates the top of the league teams compared to a team like that's, us that will probably float around 15th to 20th in the league, maybe even lower at some point. Now the positive to take away from it is that this team has resilience. 
they're willing to fight. They fight. They fight for the W. And I think that that's really important. It shows a lot of character on this team. And we've seen it. You know, you go back to the 2021 playoff run. They clearly had resilience. They fought. They fought. They fought. I think that they're properly coached. I think that they're properly, you know, taught how to, um, you know, act as a professional hockey team how to act as professional athletes. And I think that there's a lot of guys on this team that play with a lot of heart and compete. So that's the positive I take away from it. But again, you can't really complain too, too much with a 500 record, you know, um, 12 to 15 games in here. Yeah, no, I'll agree with you there. I, I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, let's keep throwing out stats here. Billet Meshar right now, Montreal Canadiens prospect, first round pick, is averaging two points per game in the OHL. I believe he's on Kitchener. Yeah. So that would be the OHL, which is very right. exciting. Um, and Joshua Roy still sitting above point per game in the AHL. Unfortunately, they're not doing very well sitting at two, seven and two, which is kind of surprising because I think they've got a lot of talent on their roster with guys like Mayu, Farrell, uh, Elias Anderson, who's been pretty good. And obviously Joshua. So it's a bit disappointing to see that they're not doing too well. And, you know, maybe that, maybe it hinders some of the development of the players but i don't i don't think it should be too big of a problem because i think the right guys are getting good minutes um yeah so yeah once again it, it's exciting to see that some of our prospects are excelling where they're playing right now oh no absolutely and even just to touch upon that I, actually funny enough i was looking over you know the montreal canadians draft uh draft history in the past you know give or take um 10 years obviously really nothing to write home about they haven't really hit on too, too many picks. The one thing that stands out to me, Liam, and I wonder, I, I wonder if it's something, if it's a valid takeaway, but this Habs team doesn't have a single player from their 2021 draft that has played an, a single NHL game yet, which includes Logan Mayu, Riley Kidney, Oliver Kapanen. Those are our top three, and including Josh Watt in the fifth round. So it's just, it. I don't know if that, that, I don't think that necessarily means that it was a bad draft, but it's it's interesting that now we're probably in our third year removed from that draft and none of them have, have played a game yet, which is kind of interesting. Um, but along those same lines from that same draft, the one where you were talking about Philip Massar, is Lane Hudson. Nine points in seven games with six goals as a defenseman on Boston University. Guy looks absolutely electric. Every time we talk about him, he looks absolutely electric. It's almost like talking about Connor Bedard. Like, I, I okay, I don't mean as the same player, but I feel like every time we talk about him, it's something good to say. There's never yeah. a downside to his game. And again, he's in his second year at BU. He was four, he had 48 points in 39 games last year. He's on pace to, to you know, kind of re replicate those same stats. This guy's going to be a Montreal Canadian sooner rather than later. And I think it's a really, really, really unbelievable addition to this already, we'll call it, you know, developing blue line. What do you have to say about Lane Hudson, Liam? The best part is, I really wanted to say this. I was going to, I was thinking about this for a while, but the best part is that, you know, if you follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Habs Culture, you saw that, you know, we created a graphic that compared Lane Hudson to Mr. Quinn Hughes, who has 20 points this season essentially the same build as Lane Hudson, very much similar skill sets. Quinn Hughes obviously started his career pretty poorly defensively. You know, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're, we'll just admit it that he wasn't a good defensive player. And Lane Hudson obviously has some weaknesses defensively that he showed in the World Juniors. But clearly, it's a skill that you can develop and become better at. Quinn Hughes is one of the best defensive defensemen or playing 
he's not a defensive defense, he's an offensive defenseman, but playing super well defensively this season, which is super exciting to see that, you know, maybe Lane Hudson becomes a player like Quinn Hughes. And there's your PP1 defenseman that we've been waiting for for years. And that guy who can just swing the puck over to Caulfield and just rip it in the back of the net. So super exciting to see. I'm, I'm really, really happy with Lane Hudson. What a steal. He was a second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And you know, I, I, next season or maybe at the end of the season, he's going to come in, play a couple games, and we're going to get a taste of you know what's to come for the future. You love, you absolutely love to see it. Um, all right. Look, I think yeah. Go ahead, Liam. Yeah. So let's get into our next sponsor with Raycon. It may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare? especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds, known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features, like a 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. And this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon Power Tech. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Their faucet filter ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Now back to the show. So now that we've dissected, um, you know, the the past schedule, we've looked at a few, we've, we've done our prospect update. And you know what, Liam, I, I know that we're coming to this realization mid-episode here. We're 31 minutes in. We'll probably go for another 10 minutes here. But I think that, I think that, you know, maybe we'll do a prospect update, you know, pretty, pretty frequently, see where these guys are at. I think it might be fun to track progression throughout the season. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep tabs on that and let us know if that's something that you guys want to see. We always appreciate the feedback. Um, but now, Liam, I want to get into the the upcoming schedule for the Montreal Canadiens. So we just finished um, talking about their win in Detroit. Now, Saturday, November 11th, the Montreal Canadiens are taking on the Boston Bruins at home, followed by a back-to-back game against the Vancouver Canucks at home. So two very, very strong teams there. Followed by a Tuesday game, November 14th, against the Calgary Flames. And then this will be the last game we talk about is the another uh, another game early in the season against the Vegas Golden Knights at home. So a four game home stint for the Montreal Canadiens against four three strong teams, one struggling Canadian team, but nonetheless four presumably strong teams. What are your thoughts about this upcoming run? Is this are these won't call them make or break games, but will they be statement games considering that in the last five games the Montreal Canadiens are one in five? I think these these next four games, especially the games against 
Boston, Vancouver, and Vegas are really going to show what type of team the Canadians are. Are they that team that's taking the next step? Or are they still sitting at the bottom of the standings with a team that's clearly in a rebuild mode? Um, you know, it's going to be exciting to watch. I'll give my, should we give our predictions now? Yeah, we'll give our predictions. We'll pre we'll, we'll look at some matchups, some, play some players you're excited to watch. So, so hit me with that. Yeah, so, you know, we'll go one by one here. I'll say my prediction, then you give yours for the same game. Uh, against Boston, at home, I'm going to give the Canadians the win here. Boston has lost one game in regulation. But usually whenever we play the Bruins, it's a big game. Hopefully it's close. And I think Montreal pulls away. Big game from our big players, Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. I actually have to agree with you on this one. I think at home Saturday night at the Bell Center against a, you know, a, 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 a a team rival, a franchise rival here um, in, in the Boston Bruins. I think Montreal Canadiens will, you know, you know, out tough them, out grit them, out character them. I know, I don't know if these adjectives are valid the way that I'm using them, but whatever new lingo, it's, it's all good. I think that they will take the game against Boston. I think whoever the goalie that starts, which I'm going to assume is going to be Jake Allen against uh, the Bruins Saturday night. Like I said, I don't think Primo is going to get another one for a little while, but I think they're going to keep tabs on the guys like David Pasternak, and I think they're going to keep tabs on Brad Marchand. If I'm not mistaken, it might be the first game that Charlie McAvoy returns from suspension. If not the first, it's the second. I don't know if they play a game before that. But nonetheless, I think that they're going to take that game, and I think we're going to see a very strong showing. My take here, very strong showing from Christian Dvorak. I have a weird feeling that he's going to pick up two points in a victory Saturday night. That would be amazing, amazing to see following I, that I, game sorry, oh, yeah. i, I have ahead. a question for you i have a question for you do you think dvorak has reached his potential as a montreal canadian might it might be it might be a very i wouldn't it might be a very straightforward answer where you would you're gonna you're gonna tell me no but do you think that there's i should rephrase the question do you think that there's more opportunities for dvorak to grow on this team in a second line center role for example i mean He's still young, right? He, he's only 26 or 27, I believe. And he showed a lot of promise in Arizona. I, I, I think there is very much room to grow. He showed that he has some good chemistry with Caulfield. And, you know, it, he does provide a more defensive role rather than offensive. So I think, you know, I think he can become a guy who plays in that top six and would be a very, very strong third line center if he does get placed there in the future. Fair enough. All right, moving on to our next game. The Vancouver Canucks on a back-to-back. -back. Unfortunately, I'm going to give the Habs the L here. It's a back-to-back, -back, playing two strong teams. If we're saying they beat Boston, I'm going to assume they take that L to Vancouver, who's been the best offensive team in the NHL. And Demko has been absolutely insane. I believe it's going to be DeSmith and Nets because Demko's playing Saturday. But... Still, I just believe Vancouver's way too strong, playing super well. They're a very... You know, it's very surprising to see because last season they were essentially the same team other than a couple bottom roll guys. But this year they just turned it on. So I, I guess that shows you that maybe the Canadians, they don't need that many changes just to turn it on in the future. 
I want to I want to say something to that because I remember when we were doing our our division predictions and whatnot. I was I I I remember saying that I liked Vancouver over Calgary. Now I wouldn't have ever said that it would have been by this margin. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that we didn't note maybe two three months ago was the difference is is that Demko missed a good portion of last season, so they were rotating between Spencer Martin, if I believe, if I'm if I'm I I think I'm yeah correct on that, and and one other goalie i'm just blanking on who it was um di pietro maybe i don't know i i know that spencer martin got a good chunk of the games but now you're bringing in a guy who's you know playing right now at a at a pretty you know good pace he's playing at like at a vezina like potential vet yeah exactly and you would like to think that adding that to the guys that were maybe underperforming in Pedersen, well, Pedersen had a great season last year, but the JT Millers Brock and Best Besser, are stepping up yeah. big time, right? So so maybe that's going to be all the difference for Vancouver. And to that point, I think Vancouver takes that game on a back-to-back, despite DeSmith's return to Montreal. L- uh, very long away to return for DeSmith to Montreal there. <laughs> you think they're going to play uh, a nice video like the, uh, that would Columbus be funny, did you know? for Jonathan Quinn? It would be, but I just don't think the Canadians are you know, that, that type of franchise that would do that. But... It would be very funny. Jonathan Quick had a good laugh, so I think that would you know lighten the mood if the Canadians <laughs> take an L that night. Um, it would be a good PR move on uh, on Montreal's part for sure, for sure. You know, it's very have fun with it. Yeah, it's very millennial, yeah. like like appealing to the younger generation. Anyways, moving on to uh, Calgary on Tuesday, I'm gonna give them the win here. Calgary just called up Dan uh, Dan Blitter. They called up Dustin Wolf, who's you know, killing in the AHL right now, has like 80 wins and 15 losses in two seasons. Makes no sense, but maybe he gets that start. But I think the Canadians are going to take take away and, and have that game where they just score like five or six. So I'm very excited to see that. I think in this game, you know, I don't like to just shout out the top players. So I'm going to give Brendan Gallagher a big game here. Two goals, maybe an assist. Add that hey, in. hey, hey, Liam, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you a hard time here. Okay. You were you were Go very ahead. good by shouting out a lot of players. But are we going to forget that Gallagher was our top point scorer over the last four games? Brendan we Gallagher? We can't forget. And Sean Monaghan. <laughs> right. But but Brendan Gallagher is the one that I want to talk about because it's, you know. Surprising. Goal, two goals. two Very surprising. Two goals, two assists. Averaging about 14 minutes of time on ice. He plays on that staple of a third line at this point. But, you know, he's shooting 20%. Like he had a very good four game stint there. Let's hope he could keep it up because if that's the galley of old, then maybe his contract could be worth it. I'm yeah. joking. I'm Six joking for everyone million. listening. But but anyway, it's nice to see Galley doing well. Um yeah. Of so Calgary gonna take the L. Montreal takes the win against them. What's your prediction? I'm, I'm gonna copy you here again, and I'm gonna say that Calgary, uh that Montreal Canadians take the game over Calgary. I think Calgary's been absolutely brutal. Honestly, ridiculously hard to watch. I've wasted way too many hours watching Calgary games for some reason. Um, but nonetheless, I think they take the win there. Who's my who's my underrated performer? I, I, I'm feeling a goal from Jordan Harris. I don't know why. It's a random game. I'm feeling a random <laughs> goal. I'm feeling... All right, all right. Okay, moving on to the next one versus the Vegas Golden Knights rematch. Last time it was close. The, the Canadians lost in a shootout last time in Vegas. This time it's in Montreal. Again, unfortunately, I'm going to give the Habs the L here. I think they it could be a tight game, but I think Vegas is just too strong. And, you know, I think the Habs are going to have 500 week. I'll give a solid game to... Hmm, who should I pick here? 
I, I don't want to be unrealistic. I was going to say Jonathan Kovacevic, but <laughs> he'll have a strong yeah, defense. That's, that's reaching. <laughs> yeah, he'll have a strong defensive game. So, you know, offensively, I don't know if we'll do too much because the Vegas goalies have been absolutely on fire. But uh, I'll give a goal to Alex Newhook today for that game. I like it. I like it. He had three assists over that four game span. So obviously maybe switching up the MSL, yeah. switching up those lines has obviously produced a little bit more offense from him. You know what? I, again, I'm, I'm copying you. I'm copying you. Not only am I saying one goal from Alex Newhook, I'm, I'm one upping you and I'm going two goals from Alex Newhook. I think it's going to be a big game. However, I think uh, uh, Montreal will lose that game to Vegas at home by a score of five to two. Unfortunately, does Primo get a start in these next four games? I'm going to go with yes, and I'll say it's against the Calgary Flames. I, was I think say that the these same next thing. two games will be Allen and Montembeau interchangeably. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one comes first. And then against the weaker team out of the next four games, he'll potentially get that game, in my opinion. I love it. And next four games, who's putting up the most points? I'm going What's Alex it? Newhook. Okay. Alex Newhook. Nice. I think I think he might I think in a four game stint he might be uh I think he'll just be at about point per game there. Okay. Caulfield had one goal in the last four games, so I'm gonna go with Caulfield. I think he's gonna have four and four. I'll give four it and four. So he's 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 climbing up those Rock game. Richard rankings. Exactly. He's five right now. Let's see him catch up to uh Mr. Bedard. That guy's a phenom. Yeah, pops off. That's 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 our that's our version. I mean uh Lane Hudson's our version of him. Yeah, of, in terms uh, of prospects. Yeah. yeah. In terms that's, of That's hype. all we have. And and keep in mind, that's a defenseman we're talking about. So begs a question. Montreal Canadiens have a lot of work to do going forward in the next few years. But Liam, we are stuck in 2023, almost in 2024, and we have to be realistic. So guys, we thank you so much for tuning in. Another week of Montreal Canadiens hockey down the drain and another one uh, on the horizon. So Make sure to tune in next week. Again, guys, down below if you're watching on YouTube. And um, make sure to check on those socials, um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. As per usual, we are going to be pretty consistent on those going forward. If you guys like, uh, you know, some funny content, we we tend to, uh, to make some funny Montreal Canadiens memes from time to time. So make sure to check that out. But anyways, guys, thank you guys so much for watching and listening as per usual. And we'll see you guys again next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you.